And welcome back to the show. Uh, for many of the podcast intros, you've heard this company. You recognize this name. Uh, this is Quick Fix. Uh, this is the founder. This is Bryant Harrison. And this is QuickFixGeek.com that I've been mentioning to you guys who have come into my life, taken the noise and the pain points that uh, are a byproduct of the online space and my website. And this is the guy who has formulated a company and formulated a mindset to put system and process together to make noise vanish. And if he can't make noise vanish, vanish, he can at least laugh all the way through it because this guy's <laughs> absolutely hilarious. And I can't wait to take his mindset and share it because the Creating Space podcast is all about adding value through sharing and through collaboration. So with that being said, let's get the leader of the Quick Fix Geek Squad onto the show, Brian Harrison, my man. What's happening? Welcome to Creating Space. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on, Wes. Listen, um, really excited about this. I got the opportunity through a mentor, uh, Connor Quinlan, to jump up to Charlottesville. We were getting away from normal city life down here in Charlotte, and we were diving into he's a partner with you and at quick fix and he was allowing me to get eyes on what you guys were doing and really get to meet you and and uh he planted the seed very early that that you'd be a great podcast guest so i got in got to check it out got to see what your life was all about but then got to share a little bit of uh some Blanton's whiskey together and we oh, really yeah. got to chat about <laughs> life. And uh, that's when I really got to see that, Hey man, I got to bring this guy on the show. This guy is way more than just what meets the eye when it comes to a guy that, that builds websites and, and, and is behind the scenes. Actually, this guy's got a lot of value to, uh, to chat, man. So welcome, man. I'm really excited to get, well, to get deeper. Well, I'm honored that you, that you thought to have you on here, brother. So first thing, we always start the podcast off with gratitude, man. I think the intention of um, getting to a place where we can uh, enjoy the fruits of what's going on in our life, man. I, I would love to start the podcast off. What are you grateful for right now in this moment? Oh, man. I'm grateful right now for this beautiful fall weather. Um, I'm grateful that, that my wife and I are going to have our anniversary on Tuesday, and I've blocked the whole day to do no work. I'm going to hang out with my wife, go for like a hike, and then go to like a really nice, wonderful restaurant in the evening. Um, and I'm also thankful that my kids are now old enough that I can say, hey, guys, taking mom on the date. <laughs> and they're like, no problem, dad. We got this. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, it's taken a while to get there. You have it has. quite a number of kids, six kids, correct? Yeah, I have six kids. I have, we have hers, mine, and ours. We have like the Brady Bunch for real. <laughs> so, except without the whole like live in Alice to like clean up. So uh, that would be uh, nice, but our kids are How good. do you figure out how to uh, create one of those? Do you have a maid? Like, do you have help with that or is it just you? No, no it's just us. <laughs> you have a small but, army platoon. Well, we have, we have a, my wife is super organized. So she has like a chore chart on the fridge that has like the days of the week and the chores listed and the kids' names next to it. So when they come home, like, you know, one kid has a, the KP rotation, clean the kitchen. You know, another kid has like feed, take care of the animals, sweep the floors. So she kind of, she runs a tight ship, you know. System so. process. Seems <laughs> That's right. Of course. Well, because without that, you're like looking at the gun, putting it to your t head. Like, I can't, 
do this on my own. So you got to so, have a system. So do, let's go even deeper on that because I imagine I already know the answer to this question. Are the chores delegated to each kid based upon their strengths and not their weaknesses? Like, was there a bit of mind? No, the chores are delegated based on if you don't know how to do it, then we will teach you how to do it. <laughs> they're based on, on everyone, you know, there's, so, you know, they, yeah, they just rotate uh, in a very organized from the oldest to the youngest over and over again. And so right. when your younger sibling has the, has KP, then you don't have it. So you should be thankful. Oh, KP man. is the dreaded chore, cleaning the kitchen for, for all Oh, this. is that what KP is? Cleaning KP the kitchen? Is, KP is a military term, which I learned from my dad, who was a drill sergeant in the military. Ah. Um, and yeah, we all, we always had KP, which means you clean the kitchen, <laughs> kitchen patrol it's kitchen. with six, with eight people in, in a household. I can imagine the kitchen can get pretty dirty. Um, that yes. sounds, sounds wretched, but you also have many animals, correct? Like 15 chickens. Is that still, is that still hold true? Well, I mean, everybody likes to taste the chicken. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, we have lots of chickens and they make eggs, which are good. And they make um stew which is also good i told the kids you can't name the chickens but you can name the guinea hen because we don't eat her because she's she's like more like a pet even though she hangs out with chickens her job is to eat all the little bugs and ticks and stuff she's like a little bug vacuum cleaner so <laughs> we live out in the woods and, and i don't want to get like you know the zika or the or the, the can't eat red meat or the you know lyme disease so we got guinea hens and man they we have no ticks man they're like so our animals actually all have a purpose we don't have any yeah, we even have a cat, but that's to keep the mice and rats out of the chicken coop. So, holy smokes, is everything that you do in life like reverse engineered in the sense of here's <laughs> our issue and how do we find the most appropriate solution to the problem? But dude, I was I was having a little you know emotional freak out moment about the ticks, and I started researching that you can't like insecticide the world. That's a it's irresponsible. B it doesn't work. And C <laughs> kills all the all the insects that actually eat the ticks. It's like the dumbest thing ever. Right. So, yeah, I found the answer. The best answer was to get a guinea hen. And that's actually what prompted me to, to think about how do you keep getting Because guinea hens fly away. But if you get chickens, they think they're a chicken. So they'll grow. They won't fly away. Right. So that's why I got chickens. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that process kind of ended up. And now, one, it was a pain to build it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pain to build it. I tell my kids, I'm the hardest working lazy man you're ever going to meet because I will spend a lot of effort to not have to do anything again. Uh. So now, it's done, man. Like once a week, I dump some food in the hopper. I fill up the water thing. With, with a, it's connected to a hose. I just turn it on, turn it off. I, I pat the chickens, and that's it. It's easy. So yeah. that's phenomenal. That feels cool coming out of coming out of. Uh, <laughs> when you explain that, that's got to feel awesome. You you must have a lot of mic drop moments in your life where <laughs> you you walk into a scenario and you'll have already gone through the pain points and you know how you can walk someone out of literal anger and frustration. And then you drop it, you get them through that. And then it's all right, I'm going to leave now and you'll never have to see me again. Well, I appreciate that. I feel like now I do have a decent amount of mic drop moments now, but if you actually preface that with the, with the quantity of like fall on your face moments <laughs> per mic drop moment, yeah. it doesn't seem so wonderful, you know, right. <laughs> Not a failure I've had to, you know, experience, try to learn the nuggets and knowledge to be able to have these mic drop moments is definitely worth it. But at the okay. time it didn't feel like it. 
what a segue, man. I feel like you're leading this convo, which is awesome. Uh, t- talk to me about that. A, a great segue into pain points in your life. And um, it's, it's no mistake or it's no secret here on the Creating Space podcast. We like to talk about uh, the, the, the pain points in life and get real, get real, get real quick. Talk about that for me. If, you were, if I were to say what has been the, the, the biggest teaching moment um, in your life, it would be what? Divorce. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's probably the biggest teaching moment ever. Um, divorce with ha- while having a kid. Huh. The biggest, <laughs> biggest teaching moment. Right. It taught me a lot. It taught me how to grow up. It taught me about, uh, it, it pushed me to learning about mindful thinking and about acceptance of, of the world. And acceptance is such a powerful thing. It also taught me that blame is poison. And so um, it's been actually really, I mean, it's good that I got divorced. It really is. Because now like I have this company and this relationship with a wife and trying to build a family around concepts that like the moment you start blaming things, accountability, one, that's, that's important. Accountability is very important. Blame is, is not important. So the very difference different things. So whether it's an employee or whether it's a coworker or whether it's my partner, Connor, or my wife or my kids or whoever, and something gets messed up or something that's done, it's like, Hey, this wasn't done right. Here's how it needs to be done. I probably didn't show you right the first time. If you want me to show you now, I can, but just to make sure it's done this way. If you have any questions, ask me. It's very different than why did you do that? Right. Like why, why did you do that? Now it's all messed up. God, I think same, same information is conveyed. But one way is accountability. The other way is blame. One way it makes somebody think, dude, I got your back. Don't worry. Next time it's going to be awesome. It's like, cool. But look, even if it's not, it's not because I know, it's, I know you tried. Even if it's not awesome next time, then we need to figure out a better training process so that, so that this doesn't happen to somebody else. So keep me in the loop, okay? Right. That's so much different than what's wrong with you. Why did you screw up again, you loser? Hmm. So, uh, so talk it, to me about how you got to this point of – uh, recognizing how blame was poisoning situations and how you were able to uh, provide yourself with the education to learn how to move people from blame to accountability. Oh man. I mean, so I, after my divorce, I went to, um, I was always been a real happy sort of jovial laughing person. The guy you knew after my divorce, I was angry, dude. I was really? pissed off. Yeah, I was an angry guy. And I was like, I've never been an angry guy. And I was like, why am I angry? This is not okay. And so I met a man who recently did a TED Talk. Uh, his, name is, his name is Bob Rannigan. He's, in, he's a guy in Charlottesville. He's like a, um, he's a psychiatrist. And I started talking to him. I was like, dude, I'm angry. I'm angry. The situation happened. And he helped me to, he helped me to see that my anger was coming from my own needs that weren't being met, my needs of other people. I'm trying to get fulfillment from this person when really I have it already here. I have fulfillment, right? I mean, th- you know, think about like, um, like your, your, your parents and you think about a good parent and a little kid, you're playing with a little kid and a little kid gets angry at you and you're like, I hate you, right? Yeah. And a good parent doesn't need their kid to like them because everything they're doing is because they love the child and they can be like, I know you hate me right now, but I still love you and you still have to go to your room. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Where if you need, like if you are trying to pull your own happiness from the kid, you will be hurt. 
Sure. How dare you say you hate me? I can't believe you'd say that after all I did for you, after all I did for you. Right. right. That, that's, a, that's someone who need, who's trying to pull, suck their own happiness from that other human being. Where if you realize that and you, and you, and you, and you don't need that from them, you can be this, you can be like a light to the people around you because you don't need them for anything. Sure. You want them in your life. You want your kids, you want your wife, you want your employees, you want your friends, but you don't need them. And that's such a hard thing. I'm sure I can say this, but it doesn't mean that I'm like some super guru master at it. I just, when I feel myself needing somebody else, it helps me to adjust and to realize what, what is it that Bryant is missing in him right now? Not what can they do to fix the situation for me? And that's a powerful thing because then all of a sudden you're in control of, of yourself and you don't have to need other people to make you feel okay. You go from uh, reacting to responding, right? It, it, there's that process of, uh, of allowing the filtration to come through, seeing it from an elevated standpoint. All right, I recognize this is a trigger in some way. How do I detach myself yeah. from and so on and so forth? And I've had to work um, through counseling to be able to, to get to that place. Also, it's, it's very interesting that, that we're chatting about this um, and, and it's really, I think, a big issue in society right now as most people are unaware of what their triggers are and where they come from. And a lot of times what I've learned is it's that it's the younger version of you. It's like the inner child that's unhappy. Um, that oh, you absolutely. It, do, you, do, you feel, do you feel that reigns true for yourself? Every time, every single time I'm triggered, right? Because whenever I want to act like, like, like what age, what age human being actually like throws their hands and beats on the table. It's always like a, like whenever an adult wants to act like that, I just feel like beating my hands on the table and screaming. They are totally, at least, at least for me, I'm always, it's always some event when I was a kid that I'm now channeling some, some, you know, that I'm now channeling now somehow as an adult. And if I can think about what that is, oh man, it makes everything easier. Cause then I realize what it is that, that got me. Yeah. Um, it's hard though. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to do sometimes, but it's worth the effort to go through to try to find those things. Oh my gosh. Cause I think the amount of times that I'm triggered now are so few, mm. but I got triggered yesterday. <laughs> okay. Talk to me about that. <laughs> I got triggered yesterday. <laughs> so yesterday <laughs> we had, a, a our, uh, one of our, one of our team members is out and he does most of our dispatching for the company clients call up, he's answering the phones and so we had, we had another guy fill in his spot and I was trying to help out, you know, cause we're, we're man down. Um, so I'm trying to help out and, and dispatch was going like, we have a process for dispatch, how it goes very standardized and it was not being followed at all. It was like crazy town, man. And yeah. because it was being followed, customers weren't going to get responses. We were duplicating work. We're already really busy. And I was like, why is this happening? And, and I was totally like, I, I, I sent a, like a, a quick, quick sort of response via email to, to one of my team members. Like he was like, I was like, dude, you have got to finish like this work. You can't like do half of it and then jump on another task because it's not completed. We're going to sure. forget it or customers are going to be hurt. And he was like, yeah, but this, this, and this happened. I was like, don't care. Send. Mm. Yeah. That wasn't cool because what he heard was, I don't care about your plight. That's not, that's not what was in my brain, but that's what he heard. The reality was, and I talked about him late. Talk this later. I don't care about the the specifics of why you're not following process, unless, of course, like you're physically hurt, like your family members dying, like you're having a big tough time. Then come to me, I will back you up. But there's no excuse by which you says, you know what? Screw process. I think this way is better right now. 
And so we talked about it. It was all good. I actually gave him a hug and a high five. I was like, dude, I freaking love you, man. I thought, you work, he works his butt off. He comes in early every day just, <laughs> just to make sure stuff's in order. He stays late plenty of times. He doesn't have to, but he does because he's that kind of guy, a good guy. So, um, you know, we, we made it up. And also, and then, you know, the next day he was killing it, dude. He was doing dispatch like a boss. <laughs> so, you know, all the clients handled great. But yeah, I, I definitely could have approached that one better and didn't. And you moved, you moved that, um, that process through with pure communication and authenticity. In that moment, you were aware that um, you were going to have, have a crucial conversation that you might not have communicated in the right way or effectively. And a lot of people have an issue having those crucial conversations. They don't have the confidence to step in and admit when they made a mistake or hold themselves accountable or, or pull themselves out of rocky, muddy situations. Why? Why do you feel it's necessary to eat the bear, so to speak, in that moment and have that crucial conversation uh, now instead of pushing it off later or never broaching the subject ever? <laughs> right, you're you're going to think this is funny. Our last staff meeting, we have some clients we've, we've worked with for years and and we have some new clients and I was talking to, and we've got really good at process and I was like, we have some of these clients that have never had us actually mess up. Like our older clients, oh yeah, they know we mess up plenty. And so they can call us up and be like, hey, you know, you guys didn't do this. Like, oh yeah, we, we did that. But what happened is like your employee then messed it up. And like, oh, okay, we're sorry. My bad. We'll go talk to them. There's total trust. Or they can call sure. it like, hey, you guys messed up. Like, dude, we totally messed up. We're sorry. We'll make it right. There's never any question. These are our old clients. New clients, they're not, they don't haven't known us long enough to know we are totally going to own up to something. And so we have some new clients. I was like, guys, I need you guys to make some little mistakes with these new clients. Sure. Can y'all please make some mistakes because we need them, we need them to see us own those mistakes. And they, I, the team kind of laughed. I was like, no, seriously, make some little mistakes. When they say, hey, you didn't do this, say, my bad, you're right. I'll fix it now and I won't charge you for it. Just like we always do. Amazing. Because, because then when they think we made a mistake and we say, no, actually we didn't, we did this exactly right. Here's what actually happened. They'll say, yep, because last time you owned your mistake. So now I trust that this time when you're telling me you didn't actually make a mistake, I believe you. So one of, the, one of the most powerful things you can do with anybody is to say, my bad, I am sorry, and I will make it right, and here's how I'm going to do it. Am I, and here's, here's how I'm going to change the process so it's unlikely it happens again. That is a huh. Communication is a, an incredible tool. It allows you to grow and nurture trust. What's the most important piece to, uh, to trust outside of communication, obviously? Well, I think that people are like the best BS detectors in the world. Mm. So if, if you don't actually care about somebody or care about their problem, don't pretend that you do. I mean, I, th I think the key to trust is to actually care about other people. I mean, I, do, you, do you think that's a lost art in this day in society? You think every, I feel as though, and I, I don't want to guide you in any direction, so stay true to what you were originally yeah. going to answer. My question is, do you feel as though people, more a higher percentage of people have a, a, an ulterior motive uh, when, when engaging in conversations um, in society today? No, I was watching... I watched this, uh, it was a YouTube video uh, and a guy, a YouTube celebrity got a chance to interview Obama. It's pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah. He got a chance to interview Obama and he's, he does, um, I can't remember the name of his channel, but he's like a, he does all these science sort of things. Right. And 
he made a video about what he was about what he was thinking about when he went to interview Obama. What he wanted is he wanted Obama to to realize that he wasn't an enemy. He wasn't trying to like talk him into a box or figure or like try to get him so he could like attack him in some way. He wanted sure. him to realize that he just wanted to meet another person, kind of kind of like you, right? Just wanted just wanted to find out what it is that actually makes him tick. That was his right. goal, right? And it was so funny because he showed the video of him talking to Obama and Obama sat down and Obama's answers at first were kind of, you know, guarded, guarded. This is yeah. a, I am a legal answer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then he made some comment about whatever and kind of, and kind of laughed and like stuck his fist out to fist bump Obama. Obama kind of laughed, fist bumped him and his whole posture changed. And all of a sudden it was just two people having a conversation mm. and you could watch it in this, in this video happen. And I think that, and in a world of, of lots of offense, in a world of lots of blame and lots of it's your fault, you're responsible, blah, 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 that the key is to, when people realize you're not an attacker, they, they don't act like they have to defend. So, I mean, most of the time, most of my conversations with new clients, very quickly, um, I mean, not because I'm doing anything super special, but because I really, I, I don't care about blame or attack. I just don't care. I care about what's the fun, how do we help? What's the solution for your company? Man, in my, in my experience, man, most everybody's cool. Like people just want to like, they just want somebody to help them with this and they're willing to pay for it. And let me have lots of people say, man, you guys are a bargain, you know? Right. We're expensive. I mean, compared to other stuff, if you measure like, you know, what other things cost, we, we cost a lot more, but our value is so dang high that they say, wow, you're a bargain. Why is it important to add value into people's lives at an exponential rate with, without any care of anything coming in return? Because it sounds like to me, for you, it's how much can I, prov- how much value can I provide and how many solutions can I generate for problems without the expectation or attachment, like you mentioned earlier, to any yeah. outcome? Why? Oh, man. Because think, dude, in just a few years, we're going to be dead. <laughs> I, mean, just, I mean, like, like look at your clock. We're yeah. about to be dead. I mean, yeah. astronomically speaking, we're these little specks of existence, right? If all we do is like mechanize extracting little bits of money from all the people around us, like, who cares? God, who cares, man? Like, who cares? Like, who gives a crap? We did nothing. We based our life. However, if we can like talk to somebody and look at them and actually say, I may be to help you, I may not be to help you, but tell me, what is it that you're going through? And offer them, if nothing else, good suggestions. And if they, and if they happen to pay you, that's great. If they right. happen not to, who cares? Sure. You just like help somebody and, and push them down a path to, to help them to, to be able to, I don't know, run their business and feed their family. Or maybe not only that, but feed their, their, all their employees and all of their families. Right. So, I mean, for, for me, at least that is very, that gives me energy to go and talk to somebody, whether or not they pay us a dime. Huh? So when you talk about adding value in the world and recognizing that very, very minuscule speck of energy inside of this extremely large map of space, (laughs) nothingness, um, how do you how do you move forward and and where do you move forward right now with your business because obviously as a business owner you want to provide the best business you can provide to other people but what else is important to you in your life you've got your buckets right but obviously you've got your family you've got your business 
what else is a part of your legacy that you'd like to build that you're focusing on right now in your life? Well, I think the, the high altitude, I mean, really what, what, what gives me energy is if I can create like a, if I can work to create a microculture of healthy, when I say healthy, I mean like physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever healthy means, right? Of healthy people that can live and work mindfully in today's crazy busy society, right? Whether, whether it's my friends, coworkers, employees, family, it doesn't matter. That, that, that's just a, if I can propagate that culture, then I feel like, like it's something that can move through time to help, you know, life, humanity, whatever you want to call it, um, going, going forward. Because, because making people into machines is a fail, right? We are not, we are not made to push buttons. We're, we, you know, we, we're like from the dirt of the planet Earth, and we're, you know, we are made to be out in the world doing things with nature, and and, and being thoughtful and looking and creating. And the moment you make someone just push buttons all day like a machine, and you take away the creating, you get depression. Mm. So, so I guess that's may have my way of trying try to fight trying to fight that sort of um, trend. And I think it's being fought everywhere. I don't think it's just me. I think, I think everybody's, I mean, the fact that we're having a conversation about mindfulness right now shows that humanity as a whole, the world as a whole is saying, wait a minute, we're shifting in a direction we don't want to go. Let's turn back. Almost like, wow, we got a lot of pollution. Let's turn back away from pollution. Sure. The world is good at kind of self-correcting or humanity is so. Um, so here we are, we're self-correcting. Let me keep you in that yeah, space because you're good at this, man. And I knew this was going to happen. We're <laughs> at this place and, and, and I've been uh, massively depressed in my life, uh, struggled with shifting identity and so on and so forth. For you as a human being, let me drop an experience on you or a situation, circumstance on you that might mirror those of our listeners or individuals, uh, friends or family of listeners Tell me this, if I am depressed, if I feel as though my life is not meeting my expectation and my energy levels are low, my, my aspirations and desires for the future are lowering, my relationships are suffering, all the things that come and encompass the life of depression, what is the next best step for me as a human being to move from that space into a whole new space that will that will push me into more probability of happiness man that's a good question something so i don't i don't know if this is the best answer the right answer but this did just pop in my mind two things two things actually immediately popped in my mind one is go outside all right that's the first thing Okay. Spend some time outside that is where you are supposed that is where humanity was for you know millions of i mean that's where life has always been is outside until very recently. So step one, get outside, get some air, get some sunlight. Step two, there's a book that uh, Bob ran again, the guy recommended me to read. It's called Love is Letting Go of Fear. Love is Letting Go of Fear. It's a short book. Read the book. Okay. Okay. Read the book. Because, and, and the reason I say that is because <clears throat> like so much of what stops us is because of, is because of, is because of fear so much. And, 
you know, say the opposite of love is, is hate, but I, I don't know. After reading this book, I was like, man, I think the opposite of love is, is maybe fear, maybe apathy, something, one of those two, but it's not, it's not hate, right? Cause hate, you're at least you're motivated to do something. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you're depressed, you're like motivated to do nothing. Cause like nothing feels like it's worth it. So reading that book helped get me started. I read that book after my divorce and, and it helped the anger because the anger, anger was actually, it was fear, man. And so once I got let go of the fear, the anger drifted away. If I tried to address the anger, it'd been a bandaid on a broken bone. So I think that the, maybe the depression, maybe the apathy is not for lack of, I think that is for lack of love. It's finding out what it is that you love and why you love it. And the step, first step for that, man, is realizing that you are damn special. You know, I mean, there's no, there's no like human being that matches your exact skill sets. I mean, oh my God. So let me just, I want to go over, this is my history. So I'm sitting here telling you guys this. My history is I'm a college dropout. Okay. Um, I did lots of jobs, odd jobs, trying to make some money for school. And I wasn't good at any of them. I was a waiter. I was a vacuum cleaner salesman. I was a um, <laughs> vacuum I, I was, cleaner I did. salesman. I would have loved to hear that pitch. Dude, I was the suckiest vacuum cleaner salesman that God <laughs> ever made. Okay. I was, <laughs> it was so bad. But I still own one of the vacuum cleaners that I saw. It's a good vacuum cleaner. But, okay. No way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did construction work. I was terrible at that. I got fired. Um, <laughs> so then I, uh, you know, I started Quick Fix. Uh, I got divorced. Uh, I tried a bunch of stuff at Quick Fix, which failed. I tried selling point-of-sale systems to restaurants. Fail. I tried doing forensics, which is really cool and engaging mentally, but never really got any business. Failed. Um, trying to scale home user business support and stuff like that failed. I hired a bunch of the wrong people. They were some of them were the great people. I hired a guy who ended up being my best friend. I had to fire him because he was not the right person for the job and it would have hurt the other team members to keep him. It was a terrible, it was almost like a divorce. I had to fire a guy. Some of that so if I if I just read you that, you're like, God, kind of sucks. <laughs> So that guy's a loser. You got you had to get really comfortable with failing consistently. <laughs> sounds like. Oh man, well, what what's funny that I mean to realize that that uh, through the whole process you get smarter and and in the process I'm still talking to people every day and showing them love by saying how can I help you? It because I wasn't focused on I wasn't thinking about my failures throughout lots of that. When I was depressed, it was when I was thinking about me. Huh. When I wasn't thinking about me and I came out and I was like, dude, that person needs help. How can I help them out? Right. And I start thinking about them. All of a sudden your own problems go away because you are focusing your energy on helping other people. Right. Instead of trying to focus inward on yourself. Very profound. I mean, I bet, I bet you never feel depressed when you're sitting here talking to people that are listening to you, Wes, when you're talking to, to people who, who you're engaging and you know that, so, that somewhere out there, someone's listening to this and you're helping them. I can't imagine at this moment, like at this moment, when you're in the moment, you're, you're feeling any amount of depression. Absolutely not, man. The, the flow state is a, is a powerful place. And yeah, have these, listen, man, to have these conversations is a blessing. Um, but you're right. To listen to other people's stories and to engage in their lives there's no, there's no room for, for depression. There's no room for fear. You have a cool job, man. 
Give him a <laughs> job. I, don't I don't know about that, man. Having to get around uh, and, and, and find and convince people like yourself that their stories are great, man, is stressful because then you meet other people's, people's fears. Have you ever gotten around other individuals who have great stories but have an idea that their story isn't worthy or that they're not ready to tell it or that they have their own fear when it comes to sharing um, or ha- having oh, yeah. spotlight placed on them? Yeah. How do, you, how do you move people out of fear, you specifically? Well, I mean, I guess my only real – my only real, you know, experience with that is dealing with my own staff members or family. I know like with, at least with staff members the other day, I had a staff member that didn't want to call a client because they knew they were going to be angry. Right. And I I could have called the client for them, but I was like, I was like, you don't want me to call the client for you. And they're like, no, I want to, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it. I was like, here's what I need you to do. I need you to first go outside. So always go outside and just, I want you to focus on breathing. Cause what's happening is your fear of this angry client is because the little girl in you that can't defend herself is thinking, oh my gosh, what happens when they yell at me? Oh my gosh, what happens with And yet, but the, the adult in you doesn't care. What they, it's not like they're beating with a baseball bat. Right. Right. It's not like you need them to provide for your family. You don't need, if this client leaves us, that's okay. You get tons of clients, right? Sure. They're, they're, they're a difficult client anyhow. Maybe it's good. It's probably the best thing, the best thing that happened if this client decides we're not the right company for them. I want you to think about that. So to change the focus for I must, I must not lose the client to, the best thing that could happen is if they left. Huh. So, so get outside, breathe, realize that it's okay, whatever happens, acceptance. Once you're feeling like, yes, it's a pretty day outside, then you're in the right place because then you're not thinking about, you're thinking about right now. Wow, what a beautiful day outside. Okay, I'll go call them now. Go inside, give them a call. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this didn't get, get done right. What didn't get done right, man? This, that, this. No, no, we, we did that. We sent you an email like two weeks ago. If you, if you didn't get the email, I'm sorry. That sucks. Because then you didn't even know we did all this stuff for you. Right. Then you have this conversation where you don't really care. I mean, you care, but I, you know what I'm trying to say, Wes. You yeah, don't, you're not attached to the outcome. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's it. You're not attached to the outcome and you're not trying, you don't feel the need to defend, to defend. You messed this up. Oh, yeah, we did. We totally messed it up, dude. My bad. Fist bump. I'll give you a fist bump with a phone or a hug, but that doesn't fix it. <laughs> so how, about, how about let's think about how we're going to get how we're going to fix it and then i'll give you a fist bump later like dude fine <laughs> how can someone turn down that response how can you be angry at that response you just can't oh, oh there are people that can be angry oh really but, oh yeah people can be angry but it, usually not usually they realize that you care and sure. that let's focus on on fixing it versus you know we can talk about what went wrong later and how to avoid it but let's focus on fixing it right now it helps a lot so <laughs> there are uh, individuals inside this podcast. We're mostly millennium based. Okay, we got twenty early twenties to thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven is what the numbers are telling me. Although there are individuals on either side of that, obviously, a lot of these millennials are have gone through the conventional machine where they go, they get their degree, they work the job that they've been told their whole life that they should work, and they've uh, gotten to a position now where. They have uh, conscious competence. They're now aware that their life is not headed in the direction that they desire any longer, and they see lifestyles around them that they desire more, but yet they're not sure how to fix it. So we are aiming machines as human beings, right? We, we mm-hmm. Back in evolutionary times, man, we needed to aim and hunt to, to be able to hunt, to be able to aim to find the right territory, to be able to build a society. <laughs> we needed to 
find these mechanisms to place our um, desires on and then build work to build in cultures, communities, safety, so on and so forth. For those individuals who are on the other side of this experience right now, who might be thinking, I know something's broken. I'm not sure how to fix it. Quick fix, implement strategy for people whose lifestyle mm-hmm. to make a shift needs to change direction. Where would you advise them? Obviously, we talk about fear. There's some fear inside of that, but lifestyle shifts are really big, right? What helped yeah. you? What tools helped you get through the divorce or any of your big lifestyle, or even when you were failing trying to build Quick Fix? What tools did you use to help you continue to move forward confidently uh, towards the direction that you are now? Well, I realize that when I don't get enough sleep, this is going to sound a little funny. I'll start off kind of maybe high altitude, maybe a lot to do, but I found out when I don't get enough sleep, I start feeling depressed. Okay. That's one thing. I found out when I eat crappy food, I feel like crap. Okay. Makes sense. I found out when I spend too much time inside, I feel like there's no point in the world and I'm, 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 I'm a machine putting, pushing buttons. So, so basically, step one, if you recognize the things that, that – so I, th- I think that we attribute too much to, to, to like outside things. I think that most things that we feel, most things that we're not able to deal with are because we're not eating good food. We're not getting enough rest. We're not spending enough time outside. We're not exercising our bodies and getting chemicals flowing that are supposed to flow. Right. Um, and when we do those things and we spend some time not looking at a screen, but spend some time instead breathing and, and doing some self-reflection and looking around at the world outside and the trees. And the, so I'm, I'm, right now, my, my desk is staring out the window and I'm staring at some green trees. So as I'm talking, I'm looking at these trees and you see the, the leaves flutter just a little bit. I mean, you see a little bird fly and land on the grass. And suddenly you realize that, wow, this, this planet is turning, things are moving. Lots of the concerns that you have about keeping up with the Joneses or maybe is my house as nice or I need to have a job making this much money or while wow, my kid is, is sick and he may not get better. And w- what does it mean when my kid is no longer on this planet with me? Huh. Lots, those concerns, you realize all of them, all of them are not, are impermanent. They're all temporary concerns and they, they will suck. Some of them suck when you lose your house, or your kid gets sick or you, lose a, a family member, but they're all, they're all temporary. They all, they all go away and you're back where you are started. And there is such peace to that, man. There is such like all of a sudden you can stretch and realize, dude, the worst crap in the world could happen, but it's not going to last forever. I heard a great analogy. So, so human beings are very good at realizing that physical harm is, is impermanent. Think of a little kid. A little kid cuts his finger and they're like, oh my God. Like they're like, like my finger will always hurt forever. Like that's why they, they, they don't just have pain. They have anguish. Oh, they cry. They're a little kid. You, you hold them and they don't understand. But when, you're, when, you're, when you get bigger, dude, you could take a knife and just slice your arm. Like, yeah, that sucks. That hurts. But I, I've been hurt enough that I know it's temporary. Sure. And emotional pain is the same the same. When you're young, you get emotional pain. Somebody says, I hate you. You cry and cry. I'm going to break up with you and you cry and cry. 
But realizing that that's temporary is such a relief of anguish. And anguish is the real, is the real enemy here, right? Like, so let's say that you do change your lifestyle. Let's say you get a small house and all your friends have big houses that you know of. Man, I know plenty of people with big houses. I, I know somebody who has a big house, bought another one, has a great job, and had to go to the hospital because of, of high anxiety. Wow. Who, dude, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So just so you know, I'm, we live in a house with a girl's room and bunk, and for all the girls, a boy's room for all the boys, bunk beds. Yep. So mom and dad have a room, and then we have a kitchen-living room combination. Compared to the size of family we have, we have a very small house. But you know what? Who cares? It's, I get to, we, we can save a lot of money when we don't have to pay for a big house payment. And we can live out in the boonies and have chickens and like, I could burn a tire in my yard to feel like it. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're actually burning a tire in your yard. Actually, I do have an old like steel like barrel that I threw junk in, light on fire. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I burn stuff that my wife would rather me not burn. She's like, why would you burn that? That's not good for the environment. I'm like, ah, oh, it's okay. It's just a little bit. But, um, <clears throat> you know. Versus living in like, you know, the nicest place to live with the HOA that won't let me do anything. Got it. Maybe, maybe that is helpful. <laughs> I definitely think it's, I definitely think it's helpful and it, it, it prompts the anguish conversation, right? And you talk about impermanence and anguish sounds like when you discover within anguish that this too shall pass and that impermanence is really the only permanent, um, things will yeah. always change. Uh, what, what does that say for you for the rest of your life? Um, and, and maybe after life as well, if we could get to that point that, you know, things will always change. You are shedding and removing things, people, places, processes that don't work. What, what are you looking forward to right now? What are you excited about for the future of yourself, your family and your business? Oh man, I'm really, I'm excited about a lot of stuff. So <clears throat> one level of excitement I have is, uh, with our family, now that our kids are older, um, it, sometimes I do start feeling nostalgia because I remember like our house is all loud right now and lively and I see just over the horizon, like two of our kids are, are seniors this year, they're leaving next year. Just over the horizon, we're going to have a quiet home. Right. And so, and so some days when I'm feeling like the nostalgia, like when, I, when I'm accepting the permanence of having kids around, I start feeling sad that that's going to leave. And then the next moment I'm like, dude, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Like Renee and I are going to be like going on dates all the time. Like, right. you know, like we're young, like we're young again or whatever. Um, so it's, it's funny that, that the exact same, the exact same, the same event in life, you can feel joy or sadness for depending on where you're standing when you look at it. And, and really to say, wow, our kids are all healthy. They're growing up. They're leaving. Um, that's what we were supposed to do. It's done. That was a lot of work, dude. Like, like I'm like approaching it from that standpoint to me is so much better than saying, Oh, the kids are grown. Let's look at their little picture. Cause I think, man, we probably have grandkids. Okay. I mean, if we don't, that's all right too. We, we've already done that. It's over. We're moving right. on. And then in the business, um, you know, really the team we have is just exceptional, a bunch of exceptional human beings. We're always getting together and our, our staff table is a big round table. I, I don't think that any of my ideas are actually been the ideas that have actually been chosen for anything. 
idea idea meritocracy is that what yeah yeah. it's not it's not my idea so i may think up and a thought which travels around through the team and then they come up with some plan that had nothing to do with how it started but you know being able to work with this team is i want to do it forever you know amazing i want to do that i want to do that forever and then automating more stuff i know this is kind of what you we first started talking about i love it when you can do something once and never again so we're spending a lot of effort on automating lots of the things that we do manually. And the more we automate, I mean, the goal for me is that, that our team spends more time shooting Nerf dark guns at each other, which <laughs> I have to keep this on my desk all the time, this Nerf gun, because every once in a while they'll pop in here and jack me. So I got to defend myself. <laughs> he literally, guys, guys, he literally pulled out a Nerf gun. Oh yeah, I have it. It's got, it's got a it's little, only, it's got is a there only one in the chamber there. You, you can't really defend yourself. You got to have incredible aim. Well, see, well, the nice thing is, is, you know, because I, like they, some of them have some really advanced, you know, Nerf guns, like automatic, you know, stuff like that. But I think it, cause I'm the boss, they feel kind of sorry for me because mine's like such a little baby Nerf gun. So yeah. usually somebody will defend me. If somebody's attacking me, somebody else will be like, don't mess with Bryant and pop them. Oh, so, so I've got, you know, my, I got my boys, they're backing me up. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, they feel sorry for how crappy my gun is. Like, dude, just stop shooting Brian. He can't even defend himself incredible culture how do you feel for other businesses who you walk into and you can feel the clicks inside the culture you can feel the the detachment that they have and the lack of um buy-in for the brand or the organization how does that make you feel and can that can that ship be righted without letting heads roll man I think it can, but it takes just like it takes time to grow. Think of it like a plant. If you if you plant a, uh, I mean, Quick Fix has been growing since for like eleven years now, right? So that culture has been growing there for eleven years to get to the point that it is now. So there's no magic bullet to change a culture. It has to be grown. Huh. And I, when I, it's funny, I see those businesses and I, I just see them like growing almost like a like a weed, an annual weed, grow real fast, make money, fail. That's that's what's going to happen, right? They have to they have to they have to grow like an oak tree. If they they won't grow as fast, maybe because they won't be you know having some bully yelling at people get this done now. Like, but we have a culture of the culture is let's make as much money as possible versus a culture of let's help as many people as possible. Oh, and by the way, it's got to make sense because we have to feed ourselves. You know, let's right. let's balance those two. Um, otherwise, we can't help anybody if we make no money. We'll go out of business. So. Then you're going like an oak tree if you have a high altitude vision that's shared. But I think you got to start with it, man. I, I don't, you know, that's why I think you see some of these large corporations just, I mean, they just, they get big, they lose, they lose their values, they become a money making machine, they eventually tank. Or a society. Yes. Or, yes. Or, you know, a society is the same thing. You lose your society, grows, loses the values, and all of a sudden it tanks. I mean, look at the Roman Empire and stuff like that. So, I think that's like built into the nature of the universe. And I think it's good. I think it's wonderful because it's you know a, what that means? It's incredible. Oh, that means crappy organizations, whether you're a crappy organization like ISIS or like a big money sucking business or a country that just like abuses its people, eventually they implode. Or an organism, an organism which is just like, ah, like eventually it implodes where if you have an organization, a group of people that's based on, on, on love, on helpfulness, on somehow to admission, somehow it seems to grow and propagate. It's like our universe, it's like the, the, the laws that govern our universe are put there 
such that the only path that could be taken is one of life and growth of loving things versus like death things. Like death begets death and love begets like love and growth. So I think that we're, if there are other universes, we're lucky to be in this one, brother man. Yeah. Oh man, we could go down a whole rabbit hole of that one. Um, we are lucky to be in this one. And <laughs> as, as long as we can provide more light, man, we'll, we'll draw more light in. Um, as we round this thing out, I want to give you an opportunity to drop as much value as possible because that's what you care about. Um, we'll go on a hot round at the very end here. What I want to do is I want to keep it based upon issues that you see most often with websites or with computer issues, so on and so forth, simply because I would love for people to get um, to walk away with this for philosophical information for their life and obviously professional information for their business, whether if they're in the online space, which most people are to a degree, we have websites or are in companies with websites. First thing, most important question of the hot round. You ready for this? Yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> Brian, what is the most common mistake you see with businesses, brands, and their online presence or their websites go? Um, I think the most common mistake is probably going to be that they, they try to take it, take everything on themselves. It's like, like I don't do my own taxes cause I, I would probably be in jail accidentally. <laughs> right. right. So that, so that's the common mistake is saying, I, I would rather do this myself versus to hire somebody who really knows what they're doing to do it for you. Right. So for some reason people feel like oftentimes it seems to me that Hey, if I can manage my own computers, if I can manage my own website, if I can manage my own marketing, I will save money. But really, you don't. You cost yourself a lot of money because you take away what you should be doing, which is running the business, and you put it towards those, those other things. So get, get a professional firm to build it. Like Start with a marketing firm and let the marketing firm work with the website developer to make like a good brand, you know, social media integration, all the stuff that you would want to have, that maybe if it makes sense to your business or not. Right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, when it comes to frustrations, issues, common, uh, pl- common uh, denominators for, for that aspect, companies wanting to expand, wanting to, to grow, where do, you, where do you see the direction of websites, of this next version of the online market space? Where do you see it going? Where should people be pouring their energy into right now? Oh man, I, I don't know, Wes. It's I don't know. Yeah, it, stuff is changing so fast that I mean, what I know right, what I know right now is that your website is the face of your. It's 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 the new it's the new front of your business. You know, back in the day, you had a nice pretty front. People could walk by, look in the glass. Man, that's going away. The right. front of your business is your website, so it needs to be to convey very briefly and quickly what it is that people should care about you for. Why do they care about you? I think statistically people will give a website six seconds before they hit the back button. So they, they click a link to go to your site. The moment they click the link, start counting. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. By the time they get to six, they will either have chosen an action on your site or they will have hit the back button. That's it. You're so done. Six you're, seconds. You're done. So having a site that loads quickly and has a very clear message is so important these days to be to get somebody captured because the attention span is not there. So um, where the web is going, if I had to, I think maybe the, you know, some of the big game, which I think this is great. I think some of the big game is going to be 
because the web will have so many choices for you, and they're all going to be good choices because people are not stupid, it's going to come back to personal relationships, which I think is the best freaking thing in the world. Yeah. I think that it's going to, you know, it should be, oh, now go, let's go online, go to Amazon. Cause that's play. Well, you know what, when there's like five Amazons, they all do the same thing. They all do it great. Or, and, and you have this one guy that you know in your community, which is somehow doing this, that's going to be more important. So I think personal relationship is coming back around. Huh. Now what it look, what that looks like, I don't, I don't mean like standing next to somebody in a coffee shop. I just mean that as we get more sophisticated, we're being able to capture more emotions electronically. So I, I still think it's going to be an online sort of relationship, but I think it's, I think it's going to be weird. And that's why I don't know. <laughs> so you think emotions will be able to navigate themselves into the online space? I think, I, I think that that's the way things are going because you generally what people want, people get. And people are wanting these online sorts of experiences that are real. So how this is going to play out will be very interesting to see. <laughs> it's going to be a whole new game, my friend. A whole yeah, new man. Game. Um, last thing. Uh, rounding this, uh, you know, this entire conversation that's gone in so many multi-directional uh, spaces. What, what do you value most in this world? In this experience, um, take ourselves out of the, the the online space. In this experience, what do you value most, and what do you want to leave with this creating space tribe uh, as a nugget nugget of value back into the philosophical bucket? So going back into the philosophical bucket, I think, I think I'd like to say this. I think I'd like to say, you know, find clients, find, no, not just, not just clients, find people that don't suck your energy out. All right, don't, get rid of the noisy clients. It's not worth it. Find clients that will pay you four times as much because they value what it is that you do better than anybody else. Okay. So good. Then next, and that goes with people too. Find people in your life that that you can that are willing to accept your help. If, you know, not the black hole people that just suck. Suck yeah. with them. You can't. You cannot help them. They have to help themselves. Sure. Um, also, get rid of blame. Number two, just drop it. Stick with accountability. And then, um, you know, give somebody a hug. Hugs are good. That they help your soul, hug somebody. <laughs> Not some random person, you know, I mean, you get sued or something, but you know, like, hug, you know, somebody. <laughs> Brian, uh, more hugs, man, more love, and, and, and more, more silence when it comes to the noise in your life, man. It, it, that's what you're about. Very mindful. Everything you do has intention. And it's been an honor to bring you on the show. It's been an honor to work with you, with, to work with Quick Fix. Uh, and for those of you in the Creating Space Tribe, get to quickfixgeek.com, check out what they've got both uh, in that department and the Quick Watch regional department as well, which we have a partnership where um, you guys in Creating Space can enjoy a conversation directly with the man on this line, um, which the link for that will be in the, in, in the show notes. You can open your phone up at this moment. Um, where can they find you as well outside of that, Brian? Is there any place that you exist where your attention is and maybe in the social spaces or? Um, no, actually you know? not. I don't, I don't do any of the- the social media and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm pretty much um, invisible except for the people that, that kind of know me. Um, so I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I, I very much appreciate you thinking I have something to say, brother, and have me on here to talk. It's, it's always fun hanging out with you. So thank you. 
I'll tell you, Brian, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate your and value your friendship. And uh, thank you so much for, for taking some time to, to rap with me today. You are so welcome, brother. Thank you.